don't have it, uh, pull your phone out, download it. It's a great app to have. Um, there's just a lot of great resources and tools and helpful uh, things for you, especially if you struggle with, and I have no idea how to read the Bible, where to start, what to do, how to understand it. Uh, this app is going to give you a lot of helpful tools to make it easier uh, and, and e easier to understand and read and engage the Bible. Uh, but if you'll click the menu and live events and you can go to Element Church, um, your phone will know where you're located and know that you're here. Uh, and so you can pull that up and everything that uh, is in the worship guide, um, plus like the scriptures that we're going to cover this morning and the points that we're going to make, they're all in here um, so that you can kind of follow along and you can make notes within the app uh, and do anything that you need to. Uh, Jay mentioned a connection card that was in your chair. Uh, earlier in the service, there's also a connection card in this Bible app. If you'd rather just click it, open it up, fill it out that way, uh, that may be easier for you. Um, but one thing you will notice uh, is that, um, that there's a schedule uh, of where we're going with the next several weeks of messages and, and kind of the theme uh, that we're going to have as a church together. Now, uh, if you were here last week, some of you were, some of you may not have been, that's okay. Um, we shared the element story. So we wrapped up a, a whole uh, series that we'd been doing together called Summer Stories, uh, where we just allowed people and encouraged people and challenged people in our church to come up and share their stories. Um, what, what has God done in their lives? How, is it, how has God impacted who they are and, and how they live? And so um, we got to hear from so many in the church, just their personal stories of, of how amazing and faithful God has been in their lives. And last week we talked about the element story, kind of where we've come from, uh, the history of our church, where we're going. Um, and so what you're going to notice uh, is that... Um, that essentially the next several weeks uh, are kind of a way for us to all jump on the same page together about what it means to be Element Church, what it means to be a part of the church, where we're going, uh, what we're trying to accomplish, how you can partner with us uh, as a church um, to, to accomplish what we're trying uh, to do in our community and in this world. Uh, last week, we had the blessing of, of doing child dedications. We actually get the opportunity to do that uh, this week as well, again. Um, and and um, I made a comment last week about um, the different stages you go through in, in, in life as a parent. Uh, if you have kids, um, no matter whether it's been very recently or a long time ago, you, you understand this, that you, know, you, you kind of go through that phase where uh, the baby is first born and, um, and, and you've got all these dreams and hopes and aspirations and uh, what are they going to do, who are they going to marry, where are they going to go to college, all this stuff. And you have all those dreams and those dreams never stop. But for like the first six weeks or eight weeks or I guess it depends on your baby, six months, right? Like those dreams didn't go away, but you're like, I just need to get through the night, right? Like, I just need to get to the next day, the next feeding, the next cycle. Like, like I, just, I just need to survive this. We'll worry about college later, right? Um, but, but then you start to move into a place where you get settled uh, and you start to develop a routine. And then you start getting in a place where you can work towards those things. You can work towards teaching them how to play catch and uh, go fishing with you or whatever your dreams are uh, of things that you do with your children. And, and, and really, as a church, um, we're kind of moving into a new phase where um, as, as a young church plant, um, for a while, we were kind of in a survival mode, like just get through this week, just get through this Sunday, just uh, get through this emergency. Um, but we're really moving to a place as a church where we're starting to settle in um, and, and kind of, uh, not that our dreams for the future were ever disappeared, but 
now we're kind of at that place where we're really ready to dream and start chasing those dreams. Um, last Sunday, uh, after church, my wife and I uh, had the opportunity um, to, to sit down and have lunch with Marcellus and Alyssa, uh, who are recently engaged, by the way. I should probably say Alyssa Riley, because there's two Alyssas like two feet from each other. So just so Alyssa Vogelweed's like, what happened to me? Uh, uh, so, uh, and, and so it was awesome. They just recently got engaged. So we got to sit down with them and just uh, hear about what's going on and, and uh, the planning and the process and the timing. And uh, I didn't ruin any surprise, right? It's, it's like, like spoiler alerts over, right? All right. Um, it is now, I know. That was, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and so, you know, uh, we were excited that um, we're going to have the opportunity, my wife and I, Elaine and I, are going to have the opportunity to start doing some premarital counseling uh, with them. And, and um, premarital counseling is always fun for Elaine and I. Um, one, it's something we enjoy, but it's really beneficial for us, too, because we get to go back and think about the days when, when we were engaged and first married and um, oftentimes think about all the mistakes we made. Uh, but, but we get to, to kind of go back and, and live in that moment where things are changing so much and you're dreaming about the future. Not that we've stopped dreaming about the future, but um, you, know, you know what I mean? Like it allows us just to go back and, and to remember and to remember those times um, when things were changing so much. Uh, and so as, as a church, um, we're kind of entering into this new phase. And so um, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks just talking about what does this new phase look like? What does it mean for us? Why does it matter? Uh, and, and how does it impact you? And why is, why is it so important that, that you're a part of these discussions and, and this, this dreaming about the future? And, um, and so if you've been a part of Element Church for a while, then, then you're going to uh, fit right into these discussions and, and you'll be right, right on top with us. If, if maybe you're new with us, um, or maybe you're like, I, you know, before I start talking about church stuff, like I'm still trying to figure out this Jesus stuff. Um, this is our invitation to you um, to, to discover uh, what it is that Jesus is trying to do in this world and, and why that impacts you. And maybe what, just what plan does Jesus have for you and for your life? And so um, today we're going to start with talking about membership. And it sounds like a terribly boring topic, uh, I get. Um, but what I want us to do is take a look into the Bible um, to really talk about what is God called the church to do and, and really how does that impact how we relate to one another? What has God called us to do in relation with one another? And so we're going to open up this discussion in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so these scriptures are going to be on the screen for you. Um, and they're also in the Bible app there if you want to follow along there. Uh, and that should make it easy to, uh, to just kind of stay right on track with where we are. And so uh, this, this is, um, Paul is writing this, so an Apostle Paul, a man who used to hate the church, had devoted his life to, to destroying the church uh, until the day he met Jesus face to face. It changed everything. And then he became the world's greatest builder of the church. And so this is what he begins to, to talk about um, with, with, uh, with the church. And so he says this, starting in verse 12, For just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. 
If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And so Paul is drawing on this idea of the body. And so when we start talking about church membership and where does this idea come from and, and where do we find it in the Bible? Because what you won't find is a verse that says you should become a member of a local church. Um, but what we get is these pictures of what a local church is and really is where we get the idea of membership. And so um, this this first scripture, really, uh, the major point here is the biblical imagery that is painted for us of what it looks like to be a church. And Paul says, just as a body has multiple members who are all different, we're the same in Christ, that all of us are different. We all bring something different to the table, but we're all united together. <laughs> Later on in the same chapter, um, Paul's going to say this, uh, after talking about um, how there shouldn't be disagreements among the different members. Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so this is really where we get the biggest, clearest picture, idea, and terminology for what it means to be a member of the church. Um, that God has uniquely created us all different, but has united us together for one purpose. And that we're not all supposed to look different. We're not all, I mean, we're not all supposed to look the same. We're not all supposed to sound the same. We're not all supposed to act the same and be the same. That there's beauty in diversity and that God has created us differently so that when we all come together, um, something powerful happens. And so when we start talking about this idea of membership, we, we get the basic idea from the imagery that the Bible uses uh, for what it means to be a part of something bigger. Um, now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at several more scriptures um, that really kind of talk about what it means to be a part of a local church. Uh, and there's definitely part of these scriptures that we're going to read and then we're going to pass over just because they're not at focus for us today. They're not the main topic or focus for us. Um, because really what I want us to do is get a picture of why church membership matters uh, and, and really what, what the Bible has to say about it. And then we're going to kind of wrap up and talk about what does it mean for you and I today. And so um, one of the points that we get when it comes to membership um, is the serious responsibility that God has given the church. And here's what Jesus teaches us in Matthew 18, uh, specifically when we're dealing with conflict. And he says this, uh, in, starting in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 18, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So um, there's some certainly some first century um, ideas here that, that may not translate uh, for us today. 
because uh, probably most of you are thinking, uh, how would I treat a Gentile or a tax collector? Like, um, although if you translate that to the IRS, maybe that gives you a picture. I don't know. Um, but here's what Jesus is communicating uh, in, this, in this point, that uh, obviously if you've got a problem with somebody, um, the first thing you've got to do is go to them. And going to them, not to someone else to talk about what happened, but going to them. If they won't listen to you, take people with you um, so that there can be a support system, so that there are witnesses to know that you're trying to do the right thing, even if the other person refuses. And then take it to the church, and if that doesn't work, treat them as a Gentile tax collector. Here's, that's a first century way of saying, treat them like an outsider. So there's going to be a change in, in the way that you define the relationship with that person if they still refuse to acknowledge their wrongdoing, how they've hurt you, what they've done to hurt others. Um, th there'll be a change in the relationship. But, but here's what I think is important for us. The third step of this is if there's still a problem, tell it to the church. Now, if there is not a clearly defined, this is who the church is, this scripture becomes really hard to follow. Like if you're trying to take Jesus' advice and how to handle conflict and trouble, uh, if there's no way of defining who the church is, then, then this becomes really challenging and difficult. And so almost just as, as included, uh, almost assumed in here is that there is a way to know who is the church and who's not the church. And for us today in the 21st century, membership provides that opportunity for us to do it so that we know who the church is so that if there is conflict, we know how we're going to come together to work through it. And this is a tremendous amount of responsibility um, that, that Jesus, I don't think, would want us to give to just anybody, but, but clearly there's a defined group. So here, I want to look at another scripture that I think gives us further insights. And um, this is a passage that really speaks to insider language. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, um, Paul again is talking about conflict that people are dealing with um, and how to interact with those who are not quite the same as you and in, in the way they're acting and behaving. And he says this, and um, uh, I think this speaks volumes to us today for multiple reasons. Starting in verse 12, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So there's a couple uh, implications, I think, from this verse. Um, so clearly, there is an inside the church and an outside the church. Um, Paul makes it clear, like, your job is not to judge anyone outside the church. That's God's job. And not only here, but in other places, the New Testament teaches us that in a loving way, that we're to hold one another accountable inside the church. That we're never to judge the condition of someone's heart. We're never to judge the condition of someone's soul. We don't know that. That's between them and God. But what we can do is we can make observations about people's behavior. And when someone's stepping out of the line, as someone who cares and loves them, we, we say something, we do something, we speak to it. But Paul says that's only supposed to happen inside the church. You're not supposed to judge people outside the church. So there's a clear implication that there's a way to define who's inside and outside. 
that we know that those, of, those who have committed themselves to one another inside a local church, part of that commitment is to say, hey, you're going to hold me accountable and I'm going to hold you accountable. But people outside the church have not made that commitment. They haven't said, hey, I want you to hold me accountable. Hey, I want you to, to, to look at my lifestyle and tell me when I step out of bounds. But those inside the church have made that commitment. And so one implication, obviously, is there has to be a clear inside and outside the church and knowing what that is. And secondly, um, and in that passage in, in 2 Corinthians, at the very end, he says, purge the evil person from among you. Now, um, that sounds really harsh, and it is. To, to, to remove someone from a church is extreme. And it's very serious, and it's an absolute last resort. Now, if you go back and you read the rest of this letter that Paul's writing to this church, um, they had some pretty crazy dysfunctions. Like, there's some dysfunctional churches today. Like, we all get it. We've heard the stories. We've seen the news stories. We've heard bad, bad stories from people. Maybe you've even experienced it. There's some, some dysfunctional churches um, this church from the first century would rival anything you could find today. Um, it, was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, and Paul's writing actually this letter because he's upset at what they've become. Um, there was actually, if you go through and read the whole letter, an incestuous relationship in the church and no one was saying anything in the church. And that's part of where this come from. Uh, he's going, hey, yeah, your job is not to judge outsiders and how they live their lives. That's not your job. But at some point, you have to take a stand for what's right and wrong, what God has said inside the church. And so then he's giving them specific instructions. If this guy won't listen to your teaching, he needs to be removed because outsiders are looking in and that individual is representing what this church is about. And we're not about that, so you need to remove him. So, so removal from a church, and, and this is not the topic of today. That's not what we're preaching on. It's extreme. It's serious. It's, it's a last resort. Um, but if there's no clearly defined who is inside the church, then this doesn't even become possible. There's actually no way for you to take a stand and say, this is unacceptable. We won't, we're, you cannot call yourself one of us. Because everyone else thinks we're just like you if you do that. There's no way to, to, to do this, to separate yourself from someone if there's no clear boundaries, if that makes sense. Um, this next one, obligations of members. And um, again, there's a lot in here that we're actually, expectations of members that we're actually not going to to discuss today, but, but I just want to give you a quick insight. Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, I'm happy to preach to you about submitting to me later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, listen, this is, not, this is not where the direction of this message is going to. Um, here's the point. If there's no formal, this is who we are, um, membership of a church, then there's no way to know who it is that you're called to follow as a spiritual leader. 
So for example, if there's somebody teaching something in a church in Colorado Springs, are you obligated to follow that? Am I obligated? Because see, I used to be a member of First Baptist Church, Yukon, Oklahoma, um, long, long time ago. Am I obligated to follow their leadership no matter what they teach? Am I, am I obligated under that leadership there because I used to be a member? Like, obviously, no. Like, I don't even know what they're teaching. I, I don't even know who's the pastor there anymore. Uh, it's been 20 years, not quite, but almost 20 years since I've been in that church. I'm not under any obligation to follow the spiritual leadership there, nor am I under any obligation to follow the spiritual leadership of a pastor in Pueblo or Colorado Springs or Grand Junction. So how do you know this is the spiritual leadership God has put in place to guide and lead me in my spiritual journey? If there's not a formal commitment and membership process, then how do you know who God has called you to follow? And on the same way, there's also an expectation on leaders. Paul says this in Acts 20, 28. This is Paul. He's actually speaking to a group of leaders of a church in an ancient city called Ephesus. And he says, pay, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. First Peter chapter 5 says this, So I exhort the elders among you. Elders are not old people. It's a, it's a church office. It's kind of like pastor, overseer. Um, although you could be old. That's not what it means, though. Uh, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. This is, he's speaking to these leaders. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So the Bible makes very clear that those who are going to be in a spiritual leadership position uh, will be held to a higher standard and be held accountable for their actions. Um, and James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, uh, actually warned a bunch of potential leaders when he said, you should not... Uh, so quickly desire to become teachers because teachers will be judged more strictly. As we read in that earlier passage from Acts, leaders, spiritual leaders will have to give an account for those who God entrusted them to. But how do leaders know who God has entrusted them to? Am I going to be held responsible and accountable to God based on how a church in Greeley is living their lives? How that church is being led? Will I be held responsible and accountable for that? So in the same way that, that there's, without formal membership and commitment, there's no way to know who God has placed in your life as a spiritual leader. As a spiritual leader, there's no way to know who God is going to hold you accountable for. to whom you're going you're gonna to have to give an account for. And so while there's not a verse in the Bible that says, hey, thou shall become a member of a local church, what we get is this picture. This picture that God is doing something within a group of people 
And they have expectations, they have responsibilities, they have a higher calling. And one of the ways for us to fulfill God's commandments is through membership. It's through the opportunity for you and I to make a formal commitment to one another. That we're going to look out for one another, that we're going to hold one another accountable, that we're going to push and encourage and challenge each other um, towards deeper things in our spiritual life. But the only way we can really fulfill that commandment by God is by making a formal commitment to one another. And so part of this process of Element Church kind of moving from that survivalist mentality of we just got to get by to now that we're moving to a more established future, part of that is you and I making a formal commitment to one another. Of saying that I'm going to I'm going to devote my life to serving the people in this church. And the leaders are going to make a commitment that we're going to devote our lives to serving the people in the church. That we're going to work together. And so part of the process of us maturing as a church is taking more formalized steps so that we can begin doing a better job of doing what God has called us to do pushing one another towards something deeper and better and stronger in our lives. So let's kind of land the plane. Um, What God has ultimately called us to is something bigger than ourselves. Here's the deal. If Element Church is not the church for you, it's not a place where you can say, I'm willing to commit to the other people here, to challenge and push each other. If this is not a place where you can go, hey, I feel like God has put spiritual leadership in place here that I can trust, that's okay. You should find a church where you can do that. You should find a church that you say, I can invest my life here for as long as God has me here. That this is where I think God has called me to be a member of the body. All different, but united under one purpose and calling. And if that's here, that's great. If it's somewhere else, that's great. If you can find a church, a group of believers that you can be united with, that's what we pray for you and your family. But some of you may be going, I don't know if I'm into the formalized stuff. I'm not sure that I'm into to, to all, of, all of the formality of, of church membership and it sounds so stale and dry. And let me tell you this, God has called you to something big. God has called you to something bigger than yourself. God is at work in this world and has called you to be a part of what he's doing and to join him. How are you going to do that? What is the next step that God has called for you in your life to join him in what he's doing in this world? For some of you, I think maybe that's making a commitment to to be a committed member of a body. For some of you, I think maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe there are some steps that you need to take before you get there. Maybe what God is calling you today is to really investigate who Jesus is and what it is that he accomplished for you that makes it possible for all of us to be united in Christ.
God is calling everybody in this room to something. He's calling you to a next step. What's that next step in your life? Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that, um, man, despite our differences, that, that you make it possible for us to be united together. God, that each of us, I, I think, honestly desires to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That, that really we want our lives to matter. That we want to be able to look back on our lives and know that, that uh, it was lived for a bigger purpose. God, would you help us each to know what that next step in our lives is to being a part of something bigger than ourselves? If you keep your eyes closed for just a minute for me, God created you for something bigger, something bigger than you can accomplish and something bigger than you can imagine, something bigger than you can even dream. And let me just say this, church membership is not that purpose. Church membership is not that dream. Church membership allows us to move towards accomplishing that purpose. It allows us to join God in his purpose and what he's doing. Here's my question for you today. Are you, are you living your life for something bigger? Are you a part of what God is doing in this world? Have you stepped out of yourself and out of your own way and allowed God to do something powerful in and through you? Maybe you don't even know what that looks like, but just right where you are, maybe, maybe the next step for you is just to pray, God, would you do something in my life? Would you help unite me to something bigger than what I can do or even what I can dream? Would you ask God to do something in your life? Do something powerful. And maybe for you that this morning that what God is going to do begins with you giving your life to him. And saying, it's not mine anymore, it's yours. So that God can step in and do something amazing. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, we don't want to make our time together here really about us. We don't want to make it about an institution. We don't want to make it about rules. We don't want to make it about an organization. God, we want this time to be about you. God, we want to be a part of what you're doing. We want you to move in and through our lives for something bigger. Would you do something mighty this morning? Would you do something in each of our hearts and in each of our minds?